We love Derek and Ginger. <clears throat> As Jeremiah mentioned, they've been campus pastors at the Maranatha School of Ministry. If it's your first time or you don't know, we have a ministry school here. And um, Derek and Ginger moved here over the summer to become our campus pastors at Maranatha. They've been such a blessing to us. We love them. We had a we have them up there. We had um, several of our students up there. Um, for those who don't know me, they mentioned earlier, my name is Sarah. Um, I teach at Maranatha School of Ministry. I also work at Jeremiah Johnson Ministries, help oversee the ministry under Jeremiah and Morgan. Um, just a little bit of here and there, Carissa, who opened up the service this morning, she works with us as well. So a little bit of hodgepodge of some of my favorite people up here this morning. Um, just thankful for the worship team and the worship that the Lord gave. I've been talking to my students this past semester um, that I really think that what the Lord shows me in dreams and things like that that are coming, I think a lot of it has to do with boiling it back down again. The simplicity of genuine hunger, the desire and the pureness just for the love of the Lord and the simpleness sometimes of worship, sometimes quiet. I don't know if many of you are used to um, some quiet in a corporate setting. Um, my students and even the, when I was overseeing the house of prayer, they will tell you um, that I am perfectly comfortable and awkward. I have learned to embrace it and those who are around me eventually learned to embrace it as well. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me a few years ago and said, Sarah, sometimes you might learn personally how to sit before me and sit in quiet and let things get a little awkward until I break through and do something. But I felt like the Lord said, but there's also a corporate quietness that can come. And sometimes there's more power in corporately being silent and waiting on the Lord without the noise. And all of those are great things without the noise and without anything else going on. And yes, there's that place of awkward, but past the place of awkward. Corey Russell says there's prayer beyond the place of prayer, right? Sometimes we're praying and nothing's happening, but as we push through into that place, then we find prayer on the other side of prayer. And I believe that sometimes there's that in the same way in corporate silence, that right in the middle of that awkward, everybody knows it, everyone knows that you should be transitioning. Trust me, sometimes you can make a profession of ministry. You can feel things to the T of what's going on in the room when everyone knows it sh should transition. If you don't do this at this moment, you're going to lose everybody, all of those things. Yet somehow, sometimes right in that place of awkward and silence, the Holy Spirit's able to come in and break through. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. So we're going to jump in a little bit. I just want to say thank you so much to the elders who have um, asked me to speak this morning. I moved up here to Lakeland from Bradenton almost three years ago. It'll be three years in February. Um, I moved up to help oversee the House of Prayer. I did that for about a year and a half. Um, I was a deacon serving as a deacon in the church for a while, and um, I just want to say, I don't know if everybody here really knows the elders and Jeremiah, um, but they are amazing people. This place has become my family, 
and every single one of them have become my family as well. I was going through a really difficult time. Um, I know it gets used a lot, but some wilderness things happened that wasn't really a fault of my own and found myself in an extremely difficult place. And I started getting selfie pictures sent from Jeremiah and Raul moved to Lakeland. And uh, I was laughing and I was like, oh, junk. I can feel the Holy Spirit on that. There's something on that. And um, so Jeremiah and Morgan really um, welcomed me in in a difficult season about four months after I moved here. I got in a terrible car accident, had never been in a terrible car accident before, totaled my car. Um, MRIs showed some stuff going on in my back and neck, all of those things. And I had, my family wasn't here. My dad was house ridden at the time. And um, Dave, who had literally just gone through brain surgery and had to relearn how to walk and everything, had to leave his business that he has a small business, and for small business owners, you know, when you leave it for months on end, that's not a good thing. Um, had to be out for months on end doing his own recovery, had just gotten back to work, and literally took an entire day off to go with me um, to a place near Tampa to find a car to make sure that I wouldn't get ripped off and then I got something that I needed. These are the elders, you guys. Um, Barry and Diane, they've really been spiritual fathers and mothers to me. I remember when I first came, I was so hungry to just sit and tear apart the word with somebody. And Barry and I would sit for hours and just combing through different doctrines where I didn't have a place to do that before of, I don't care about the ministries or what it is. I just want to get down to the bottom of the word and Diane has seen me at some of my worst, prayed me through a lot of things, knows a lot about me, has really mentored me. And then Brandon and B, Brandon and Allison have really been brothers and sisters to me. Um, we've spent lots of time in conversations. Uh, Brandon and I will take turns. He'll come to my office and I'll counsel him. And then I'll go into his office and he'll counsel me. <laughs> A lot of time in their home. And I just really want to honor the leaders of this church. They are unbelievable. And I got a word from uh, Hiram before I moved here. And he came up to me one day and he said, the Lord gave me one verse. He takes the solitary and sets them in family. And to me, Lakeland has been all about family. It's really been a place where I have found a home, and I'm so thankful for that. So this morning, is it okay if I just kind of share a little bit? Is that all right? All right. Um, I, this is a subject that I feel like the Lord spoke to me um, to talk about this morning, something that I feel like is for us and for this house. It's only something that I've talked about just a few times starting at the beginning of this year. And when I've done it before, the Lord gave me all these verses and all of that kind of stuff. And for our body, I just really feel like this morning it's family. But he wants to touch our hearts this morning in this area and subject more than he's looking to touch our minds. And because of that, I just felt like the Lord said, the only way to do that is to begin to open up and to share some of your story in that place. And from that, I'm able to come into some of the places of our heart and do what it is that I desire to do. Um, the beginning of this year, I spoke at a um, young adults retreat 
And as I did, the Lord told me a subject to talk on that I had never spoken on before. It was kind of out of left field for me. I'm like, that's not really me. Like, you know, I'll, I'll talk about something with fire or I'll talk about something with prayer or I'll talk about something like that area. Not really interested, but okay, fine. You want me to do that? So I went and I spoke on this subject and the Lord moved and I was like, okay, well, you know, this is a little bit more of a touchy feely crowd. So that's why the Lord like had me speak on that. And I heard the Lord say, this was in January of of this year. So almost a year ago. And I heard the Lord say, you're going to speak on this at heart of the father. And I was like, (laughs) that's funny. That's not happening. There's probably the last subject on earth that I would speak on at heart of the Father. So like Mary, you know, good Christian, I pondered these things in my heart way back there. Um, And the Lord just began to do a work in me over the summer. He began to really dig into some places of my heart. In the midst of that, he began just even some of what we were saying this morning. He began to do work as he dug in my heart and began to unveil things and and show things, then all of a sudden, I began to once again become hungry for pure and simple devotion. I began again to get hungry for the simple things, for things to boil back down again. Somehow, how is it that when I was young and I barely knew anything, that there was such a move of the Spirit Six years old, baptized in the Holy Spirit. At age 11, I walked into a youth group, and guess what? They didn't treat me like my Holy Spirit was any different than anybody else in the church. Can I tell you, for those of you who have young children or teenagers, the best gift that you can give them, the best gift that youth pastors gave me was not acting like the Holy Spirit inside of me was cute. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be operating any more than anybody else. So we're praying in youth group. The Lord is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. Kids and teenagers are falling out under the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the, The leaders didn't exactly love my youth pastors because they attracted at that time, I'm going to date myself, at that time it was all the blue hair mohawk kids and the skater kids that were coming into the youth group. The parents were nervous that, you know, they were going to pollute their children. God forbid they might, you know, get shooken up a little bit and get hungry for the things of the Lord. And, um, and the Lord just begins to start moving and people are being radically changed and transformed. And this was the gift that I was given was that it wasn't any different for me. And that was when it was simple. And the Lord starts doing a work and digging in my heart. Sarah, when did your heart get so hard? I'm not saying that I'm not having quiet times. I'm not seeking the Lord. I'm not going on long fast. That's not what he was asking me. Sarah, when did your heart get so hard? So much stuff, so much you know, so many things that you have to do. When? Who made up all these rules? Who made up all of these ways that we have to do everything? And I'm not talking about no order, no structure. Jeremiah will tell you I'm a planner. I've got whiteboards. I've got things up on whiteboards like it would make your mind go crazy. I'm not talking about that. But seriously, 
when did we have so many rules and so many things that we are doing everything except the simplicity of being with Jesus? So the Lord began to touch my heart. Sarah, bring it back. I want to bring it back down. He began to bring me back to a place of pure and simple devotion. But it took him beginning to do some things and unearthing some things in my heart. Touching on different areas that I didn't really want to. As it came to the end of the summer, the Lord says, you're going to revamp your entire Maranatha curriculum. Because before you give them your fight, I teach prayer and intercession. You've got to give them your love for me, your life in me. Warring without loving me in pure and simple devotion it's meaningless. You'll die in that fight. So I revamped the whole thing, taught. The Lord began to really do a deep work in the students this semester. And then all of a sudden, Brandon came to me and said, the elders would like to know if you'd like to preach in December. And I just had to kind of laugh at myself. My name is Sarah, so I guess it comes naturally. <clears throat> I had to laugh at myself and say, okay. I already know what it is that I'm preaching on. This morning, I want to talk about emotional healing. I know it's something that we hear way too much around here, but a subject that I was not overly eager to talk about, but something that I knew the Lord was moving and something that he wants to do. And in fact, to be honest, can I be honest? Um, I'm sick right now. I feel about as spiritual as a bump on a log. I feel about as connected as, I don't know, you pick something. I'm pretty out of it. But I have so much confidence in the Lord's heart for our body this morning. It doesn't really move me at all. I'm like, man, if the Lord could speak to me almost a year ago that there was something on his heart, that he was passionate about our body and our family here, and there's something on his heart that he wants to do, then it really doesn't matter about me. As long as I can stand up here, the Lord can do whatever it is that he wants to do. So I have a lot of confidence, not in myself. Preaching might not be any good. Probably won't be. I'm just going to share some things anyway. Doesn't matter. I feel like the Lord has something that he wants to do. Um, as I began to kind of ask the Lord, I know that he said, where I want to land some is I want to do some emotional healing, Sarah, this morning. And I said, okay, Lord, that's fine. How do you want to go about that? What, do you, what is it that you want to do? And I was, as I was pressing into prayer about this, I felt like the Lord said, Sarah, I can't heal what people believe has no value. I can't heal what people believe has no value. If we believe this morning as a body that our emotions 
are completely an unspiritual thing where our mind and our will is super spiritual, but our emotions are not, which is actually not biblical. Why would we waste time allowing the Lord to come in and dig in places of our hearts? Why would we allow him to heal something that we think has no value in and of itself. In fact, if we could only find some way to have zero emotions whatsoever, then we would be really spiritual and we'd get those annoying things out of the way and we'd do something really spiritual by just operating in our mind and in our will. Getting ourselves to do something no matter what. Speaking that truth no matter what. Now, can I say clearly, and we, we get that here, and so we already know the absolute value of those things as well, but the word of God says this, the first commandment is what? Come on, the first commandment is what? With what? Yes, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the first commandment. It does not simply say, love the Lord your God with all your mind and with all your will. That's part of it. There must be an effort to do something regardless if we feel it or not. There must be a speaking truth regardless if we feel it or not. But even the word of God says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Correct? So the word is going to show us spiritual ways of doing things with our mind and unspiritual ways of doing things with our mind, right? Are we in agreement? We're going to go somewhere, but we all have to agree on a few things, which means the word is also going to show us talking about our heart, which is the place of where our emotions are going to come from, that there's going to be spiritual ways of doing things with our emotions and unspiritual ways of doing things with our emotions. Is that correct? And I feel like that sometimes there are deep and broken things. There are, there's trauma. There's stuff that we have gone through. But we get so focused sometimes, and I am this way. I'm going to share some about my own journey, about our mind and about our will. And we start to elevate that to such a high spiritual place that if we could just kick those emotions out of the way, then we would really get somewhere with the Lord. But the problem is, is once we begin doing that with emotions, then we begin putting them in an unbiblical place of being completely valueless. Meaning that areas and places of our heart are going to stay in emotional brokenness. Not allowing the Lord to actually come in and bring healing. I'm telling you, this was the word that the Lord saved me. I said, okay, Lord, how do you want me to talk about this? Well, we talked about this twice before, and it was completely different. I don't just get the same word. It's for wherever I'm going. And the Lord said about us here this morning, I can't heal what people believe has no value. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my story of why this was never the road that I planned on going down, nor the subject that I ever, ever wanted to talk on. 
I just first want to say my family's not able to be here. They're pretty much all sick. Um, I just got back from them, and they passed it on to me. Praise the Lord. Love you guys. <laughs> so they're all sick this morning. But I first just want to say um, with my parents, my parents were the first one that were saved in their families. They came out of pretty terrible backgrounds and circumstances. They got saved um, Shortly after they got married, well, they got saved after they got married, shortly before they started having us, I had an older sister that was just a year and four months older than I was, and, um, and I'm really thankful for first-generation saved parents um, who were radical for the Lord. They moved to Nebraska. My, my dad was a Winter Haven boy, um, born in Winter Haven. And they moved to Nebraska when they had three kids. They actually had their third kid. We were, there were three of us under three. So grace, grace to my parents. Um, there were three of us under three. And when they were pregnant with the fourth, um, they decided to move to Nebraska, all the way to Nebraska near Omaha, to go to Bible school with three children, one on the way, trying to make ends meet for a family. Um, I'm thankful for a dad who is a Florida boy through and through and literally took extra jobs shoveling snow in the middle of the night in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and I don't know if you know, that's cold. It's very cold. Around when I was around age four and five, shoveling snow at night as a second job so that he could provide for his family so that he could go to Bible school. I'm thankful for a mother who sacrificed to have seven children, even though she told the Lord, this is not my personality to have seven kids, but the Lord told her that he wanted to raise up an army, and if that she would surrender and submit to him, that he would do that regardless of her struggles or shortcomings. And I'm thankful for a mother who's an intercessor. I don't know what it's like to grow up with a mom who is not constantly up at night praying. I mean, some people call me intercessors, and I just think of my mom, and I'm like, I'm, I ain't no intercessor. <laughs> my mom, I can, like, tell her something. Like, a friend tells me, like, something terrible going on in their life, and I, like, pray for them for a second. I, like, tell my mom. She calls me back, like, three days later, and she's like, I've been up at night interceding. Like, I've just been praying day and night what's going on with them. And I'm like... I don't even know. Let me text him and ask. Um, so I don't even know. I'm so thankful for a mother who is an intercessor. But also in that, my parents being first generation and newly saved, they came out of some really horrific circumstances and backgrounds. My dad with his father and who's passed away and some things that happened there and they actually had to leave Winter Haven because of um, some backhanded and dirt, um, dirty under the table things that were going on and that's how my dad got relocated and my mom in, in um, some poverty and uh, having four kids and her family and her mom left at a young age and mentally couldn't take it. And my grandpa was a farmer and, in Michigan and a hard man and 
Um, a lot of brokenness, partying, a lot of things. She moved down here when she was 17 years old and all of this kind of brokenness. So they were, yes, on fire for the Lord, but in the same term, they came out of really difficult circumstances. And like all of us, they had their own struggles and difficulties in certain areas. And I don't judge that. I can't imagine being in those places. And I'm so thankful for the Lord's restoration and how he is truly able to work inside of families and do what the impossible is. As I've made mistakes just as much as them or anyone else, yet testimony matters. And that's my focus. When I'm sharing some of the stuff that I'm going to share this morning, it's not to focus on the shortcomings because if we did that, we could all sit around and have a long time to go around to all talk about our issues and our shortcomings and the ways that we have failed and come up short. But my My um, hope in sharing some of this is to tell you where I landed in my own heart, in the place of emotions, what the Lord had to do in me. In my surroundings, emotions meant unpredictability and instability. They were some of the greatest struggle of anxiety for me. I never knew what it was that I was going to get in my atmosphere. I never knew whether it was going to be happy or angry or sad or upset. And it was constant inconsistency when it came to the place of emotions. In my mind, it was, okay, if I don't want there to be anger, try to do everything perfectly. Make sure everything is clean, everything is the way that it's supposed to be. I'm telling you, I was a good kid. I was a rule keeper. I tried one time, one time in my life, I tried to lie for my sister to keep her out of trouble. And I felt so guilty, I ended up confessing and she got in trouble anyway. (laughs) And that's all that I knew. Be perfect. Try to control the atmosphere, because emotions became my enemy, my anxiety, my place of inconsistency and unpredictability. So try to do everything perfect, hoping that that will make everything okay. But even that wouldn't do it. Emotions became my greatest anxiety, And my most feared enemy, the greatest fears that I've had in my life is in the area of relationships. Because you simply can't predict what someone is going to do one day, regardless of how well you know them. That's what was being fed in my mind by the enemy. That you can't predict, it doesn't matter how well you know somebody. As soon as an emotion hits them, they might do something that you never thought they would do. And the enemy confirmed that fear in my life over and over from young into my adult years. Getting close to people and then all of a sudden, something that was not like them whatsoever. And them turning and changing or something happening. And to me... Emotions, jealousy, anger, whatever it is, once an emotion, somebody who's a certain way could suddenly be different. And this was my view. 
logic became my friend, as it was safe, predictable, stable, and controllable. Things made sense. I know that some of you might hate me for this, but I loved algebra. I loved math. Why? Because numbers never lie. It makes sense. It's logical. This plus this always equals this, period. Right? That's my comfort zone. That's my safety. More knowledge, more understanding, and things just being logical, emotions, all of those things, that's just not logical. People are up and down. You never know what they're going to do. Let's stick to logic. Yeah, <clears throat> made my journey a little bit long. Let's go a step further. Okay, that was my environment growing up. Again, lots of good things in there too, family devotions, my parents loving the Lord, all of those kinds of things. But can we just be honest that in the midst of our really spiritual, we have broken areas? I know it's church. I know we have to put on a smile. I know we got to put on makeup. I know praise the Lord, and we're all acting like nothing unspiritual happened at all this week when we were home with all of the family members and the in-laws and the dogs barking and the kids running around like crazy, and everyone has their own idea of how Christmas is supposed to be. And then when it doesn't go this way or that way, I know. It was like we just sat there on Christmas morning, and when we read the word and we read read the Christmas story, the Holy Ghost fell, the children were slain in the spirit, and they didn't even want to open their gifts. Did anyone else have that happen this week over Christmas? I know. We were so holy on the Holy Week. I know. I know that this is a stretch to even try to imagine anything else after the week that we all just had of the Holy Week. But somehow, we're going to be able to get there. So in the midst of our spiritual stuff, there's some things that go on inside of our hearts that are broken. And don't allow emotions to be used for what God actually created them for. Did you know that your emotions, I know I'm getting off, I don't really care. Do you know that your emotions were actually created for a specific purpose in a design just as much as your mind and will? that your mind has to be submitted to Christ, your will has to be submitted to Christ. Paul says, my righteousness is as filthy rags. What I'm able to accomplish from my own doing. Do you know that your emotions, have you ever thought about this or even heard this? That your emotions surrendered to the Lord has a divine purpose? And that by you squashing them or not allowing them to get healed or allowing them to stay fully in immaturity, that you actually squash an area that is designed in you by the Lord for a certain purpose? Yeah, it was news to me too. <laughs> so besides the environment that I was growing up in, the enemy really worked overtime to try to cause me to believe this in this area. My viewpoint of emotions from my environment wasn't enough. The enemy tried 
to give the one-two punch of hitting my emotions with trauma after I moved out. I won't get too much into it. We could be here all day. My students can tell you that. Once I start getting into my testimony, it just doesn't really stop. (laughs) I don't want people to get depressed either. Um, Restoration is a beautiful thing. But through sibling deaths, um, my dad dying, siblings um, using with drug use, falsely accused of something and being kicked out of a ministry, all of these kinds of things over and over, trauma, 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 trauma. And there's something that happens to your emotions. First of all, in being raised in an environment that screams something negative to you about emotions. But secondly, when your heart hits a place of trauma, There is something deep, deep, deep in the emotions that gets hit. And the more that thing gets hit, the more the lie gets spoken. Cover it up. Make it not valuable. Get rid of it. The panic button gets pushed. And it's fight or flight. Whatever you do. Get away. Harden the heart and don't have to feel that ever, ever again. That was the one-two punch that the enemy was doing. And can I just say this as a side note? I know that um, Dr. Herndon has been in here and and talked about this. um, Can I just say, I'm a strong believer. I know. You might not believe this, being a spiritual person. I'm a strong believer that every time somebody goes through trauma, you need to go have some Christian counseling to actually get that thing. Yes, Christian and counseling. Somebody who understands the word of God, but who is also a doctor to rightly apply it. You don't go to a foot doctor for something wrong with the heart. You can go to a Christian counselor because they know the word of God. If you go to the right one, it's not one size fits all. If they're not good, then you don't, you're not comfortable with them. Go find a different one. It's okay. But you go to the right doctor who knows how to take the word of God and rightly apply it to the place of where it's needed. But those, those things, those one-two punches is what the enemy was trying to use me, was trying to use to put the death blow to my emotions and how I thought about them. Emotions became a despised liability in my eyes, and I didn't even recognize it for the most part. Something that seemed to cause indescribable hurt and pain in my life. Logic and knowledge were my only comfort, safety, and friend. Viewing emotions this way was a derived plot of the enemy. He does this so that rather than allowing our emotions to get healed, so we, being made in the image of God, can use them as he does. We assume that he hates and despises them like we do, and therefore make it spiritual to not walk with emotions at all. I'm not going to go into this. I went into this with my Maranatha class. I've got 
several pages of verses on this. You're welcome to come to me. I just felt like the Lord said to stay on this track. But just to throw out there, we are made in the image of God. And the word is full of God having emotions. Emotions, there can be more. But I've seen really three categories that when healed, matured, and redeemed, they become the gateway for intimacy and relationship, first with the Lord and other people. The Lord is actually not trying to shut down my emotions in worship. No, it's not based on it. Can I tell you this? We don't do things from emotions, but we can do them with emotions. It's what I tell my students. Don't pray from emotions. Why? Because you're going to feel good today, and tomorrow you're going to feel like junk. So then what? Don't pray from them. But don't you dare shut your emotions down because you can definitely pray with them. Our mind has to get submitted. Our will has to get submitted. Our emotions have to get submitted. Everything has to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. But once they are, emotions from the place of being submitted to the Holy Spirit become a beautiful place of intimacy with the Lord and intimacy with others. Struggles with intimacy can reveal that there is struggles of broken emotions in our life. The second thing of in the image of God that we can find is it can give us a heart for intercession. Where we begin to feel God's heart for things outside of ourselves. Yes, he can just speak something to us and we can pray. But also we can submit our emotions to God. And we can begin to get gripped with his heart. Weeping for things we would never even know or think of. And can I tell you, it's not just a personality thing. I get that we're all going to be different, and I've told my students a million times, I don't want you to be like me. I am, however, I am when I submit my emotions to the Holy Spirit, and he does through me what he wants to do through me. But healed emotions can cause us to get God's heart. I think a great example of this is Barry. I know for those of you who see him stand up here, you might think he's the most outgoing person in the entire world. You see him jump up and down and get really red when he's screaming. Do you know that if you go into a group with Barry that he's probably going to be really, really quiet in the corner, maybe talking to one person? He's actually not overly charismatic as a personality. But as his emotions are yielded to the Lord, he has come up to me weeping, giving me the Father's heart towards me. That's brought healing even to my own emotions. That's the beauty of emotions being surrendered to the Lord. And then finally, it gives compassion for action and ministry. There are very few times, I, I, I have a whole list of it, I didn't bring it in because I would have just done handouts, but there are too many people, so I couldn't do it. That's what I did with my students. I said, go study this later. But over and over and over and over, you often find that the Lord's action, what we would call ministry, that he, the way he decides to move, first he has an emotion, and that emotion causes him to act. 
Did you know that emotions that are rightly surrendered to the Lord can actually cause us and bring us into action? Now, again, they have to be surrendered and healed so that it's the right action. But over and over, Jesus, over and over, moved with compassion, so he healed wept over Jerusalem and gave his life. You see it in the Old Testament over and over. He saw that mankind was wicked. He was sorry he made them, and he sent the flood. You'll see it. There is rarely times where God's emotions are disconnected from his actions. Intimacy, intercession, and action. Emotions were created for something. But here is often the real truth. Because we are so emotionally broken as a people and as a culture, we tend to project our brokenness on God. Thinking that if he were emotional, he must somehow be unstable and therefore untrustworthy. I'm going to say that one more time. Here's what it really comes down to a lot of times because of our experiences and the things we've been through. We are so emotionally broken as a people and as a culture. A lot of times we don't like to deal with emotions in church. They are messy. I don't like them. We tend to project our brokenness and the brokenness that we've seen on God, thinking that if he were emotional, He must somehow be unstable. And therefore, he's untrustworthy. If people's emotions in my life cause my life to be unstable, then why would I ever want there to be a God who has emotions? And when that happens, I'm going to make no emotions at all the spiritual choice. I'm going to wrap up here. Holiness matters. Truth matters. Doing things for the kingdom matters. Intercession matters. But they were never meant to become a cover-up of the broken areas of our heart. When Adam and Eve started seeing their own brokenness, what did they do? I can hear you. What did they do? That's right. My students know it. We hit it about every single class. We talked about leaves and trees. All of those things matter, but what if sometimes those super spiritual things themselves have become the leaves and trees that we're really trying to hide from the Lord and other people, our own brokenness. What if our holiness stances and truth-telling really just helps us keep people emotionally distant at a comfortable arm's length? Can we get honest this morning? What if our kingdom busyness simply allows us to never slow down enough to actually face ourselves on the inside? 
What if warring and intercession, which you know I love, just keeps us from having to quiet ourselves enough to deal with our own emotional brokenness? What if these spiritual things in and of themselves become our leaves and trees to hide the brokenness that's going on inside of us? Psalm 51, 5 and 6, David says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Okay, he's staring at the brokenness of his own life. You'll find this over and over with David. To me, David was a man after God's own heart. He was in tune with emotions. He stared right in the face of his brokenness. He cried out what he was feeling to the Lord, but he didn't let it stay there. He's looking at his own brokenness, and he says this, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. What if truth sometimes, and listen, again, for those who know me, I'm a truth girl. I could preach on it all day. I'm not talking about that. But what if our truth has just become superficial? What if it's just, I'm just going to say it, make myself snap into shape, and again, there are moments, yes, for that. But what if it's simply a cover-up to say it and move on, to bulldoze right over and cover it up when the Lord is asking, bring it to me. I want to heal and restore. In the innermost being, David said, you desire truth in the innermost in that place of trauma and pain and abuse, the place where we weren't good enough, the place where we weren't accepted enough, the place that hurts to think about it, and sometimes we can't even talk about it, and we do everything that we can do to avoid it, the place we never want to look at or stare into. What if God desires truth in that place? not just on the surface of where we can spit it out casually. God isn't simply trying to cover over those deep places with shallow truth statements. He's trying to dig into them, stare them right in the face, and heal them with his power. Can I tell us something here today that I learned? God is far less intimidated with our emotional brokenness than we are. He's not. It doesn't move him in the sense of having fear. We see the fear. We see the brokenness. We see the struggle. We know the pain. We know those things. And we are so, the, the, the emotions that it causes and the things that it does on the inside of us uh, causes such feelings that it so intimidates us. We can't even look at it sometimes. And that's not the way that he is. He wants to stare it in the face so that he, by his power, can bring healing.
We become like Adam and Eve. The hurt, the trauma, and even the ugliness of our own hearts causes us to run and cover up behind the leaves and trees, even using spiritual things to do it. It's not really hiding it from the Lord. Most often, it's really just trying to hide it from ourselves. I, too, sought to keep walking in truth, holiness, ministry, and intercession, thinking that was right, but the Lord had other plans. He allowed me to literally get kicked out of a ministry through no fault of my own and said to me, you were willing to just keep moving and doing things for me, but I am not willing to leave your heart behind. I wept and I wailed. You would allow all of this. I had plans. I'm going to be able to do this for the next 20 years. I'm going to do this, this, that, and the other, and all of those things. And I'm like, what is it, Lord? And he said, I am not willing. You will bulldoze over your heart and leave it behind, and I'm not willing to do it. I will do whatever it takes to stare this in the face and allow my healing to come so that your heart, everything that I created you to be, can come forth. I stand today, still a work, of course, but healed by the power of God. I can talk about these places of hurt with joy rather than pain because they finally represent the beauty of his redemption rather than suffocating pain or worse, complete hardness. I believe the Lord is wanting to do this in our community. Derek, can you go ahead and play? Can we just bow our heads for a moment? I feel the Lord's heart for our community. (laughs) He sees the trauma and the hurt and the pain. He sees the areas of self-loathing. He sees the areas of complete emotional disconnect because we can't even handle it or think about the circumstances. He sees our own self-despising in the areas that we've been short, the ways that we were treated and swore that we would never do the same thing. As I prayed into this for months, The Lord really gripped my heart for some fathers. (laughs) That yes, you love the Lord, but there's been an emotional disconnect in your marriages and and with your children. I saw some brokenness in some of our men. But there's 
this praise the Lord and glory to God, and I'm going to speak truth regardless. Meanwhile, there's hurt and pain on the inside. And I feel like the Lord said, I did not make them to live this way. Disconnected emotionally from their wives, disconnected emotionally from their children, struggling in the secret place with me. I'm telling you, there's healing here this morning. It's not because of something that I've said or I have. But it's the Lord's heart and desire. If the Lord is doing or moving anything on your heart, I just invite you to come. I feel he's doing something in this place. You don't need to think about everything and understand everything and know the logic of everything and be able to explain every issue or every area of the heart. If the Lord is moving on you, I'm telling you, there is something that he's desiring to do this morning. There's a deep place in our heart that he is asking us to let him in. He knows that it's intimidating to us. He already knows the areas of brokenness, both things that we've caused or things that have simply been done to us. And the Lord is saying this morning, you were not made to live without the heart. You were not made just to bulldoze over, to stay disconnected from your family, from people around you, and from me. I've made you for more. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to break in right now, God. Even as your heart weeps as a father. Even as your heart weeps for the things, oh Lord, that have happened. For the ways that the enemy has tried to come in and harden our hearts. To keep us from intimacy and relationship with people and with you, God. I ask that the power of your Holy Spirit would begin to move right now, God. I ask that you would begin to blow through this place like a mighty rushing wind, oh Lord. God, I ask that the healing that you've begun to bring to my heart in the area of emotions, Lord, would you begin to do it again. God, I ask that you would begin to tear down every wall that we have put up, oh Lord. That we thought it was spiritual. That we thought it was serving you better. But really they've become leaves and trees. 
Lord, that they've hidden ourselves and our brokenness, at least tried to from you. God, we want to walk in the cool of the garden again with you. Lord, we want to be uninhibited. We don't want there to be anything, oh God, that we're building up and hiding ourselves from you. Father, we ask this morning that you would come in into every place, especially the ones that we have built up the walls. Father, that you would begin to come and touch those places like only you can by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would begin to move. 